Saturday morning. Welcome to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host. In a beautiful Saturday morning, I am just thrilled. There's not a cloud in the sky. Everything is wonderful. After my doom and gloom of rainy weekends in the past few weeks, man, what a day. Sunrise was absolutely stunning. Had a great ride into the radio station today. Uh, my in-laws are up and uh, visiting from Long Island, and uh, and I'm not talking about Long Island here in the coast of Maine. I'm talking about New York. Uh, we've been working on our condo, uh, getting it ready for a new rental tenant, and uh, they're in town, so we're excited to uh, spend some time with them this weekend. And Man, there are some unbelievable plants out there right now. The gardens have just exploded with growth. The blooms are amazing out there right now. Obviously, these heavy rains that we've been having have been taking a little bit of toll on things. But on the ride in today, I saw some amazing plants. Uh, one was mock orange was starting to show all of its glory. And for anybody who has a mock orange, it's a plant that I always like to tell people. You love to view it from the distance. Beautiful plant when it's in bloom, but after that, it's not so nice. It's kind of like a honeysuckle or a forsythia or whatnot. Viewing from a distance is lovely because once they bloom, it's not that attractive plant. But the fragrance, the fragrance was wafting in the window as I was driving uh, in here to the radio station. Another plant that just caught my eye was white fringe tree or chianenthus. Uh, in full bloom, uh, fringe trees, just an amazing uh, larger plant. Uh, get in that 12 to 15 foot shrub form uh, tree, uh, multi-stemmed. Again, one that has amazing fragrance. So if you're looking for something fragrant, uh, those are good choices for right now. You'll probably see them showing up in landscapes, uh, but the two I saw today on the on the ride in were absolutely in full bloom, showing their glory. And the Wigilia, uh, big, huge, arching plant, um, many varieties, dwarfs and large growers in many different colors, pinks uh, and whites, variegated foliage, dark leaf foliage, but they're also showing their glory right now. And the last plant kind of I wanted to talk about was viburnums. The tomentosum viburnums have been absolutely amazing the last week or so, and now I noticed some other viburnums that are really coming on and, and showing. Uh, viburnum opulus, or snowball viburnum, uh, is showing its glory. A lot of people get confused that this is a hydrangea because it has that big round flower. Um, a lot of times people will come in and say, come in and say, I want that snowball bush. And, you know, People will assume it's a hydrangea, but it really isn't. It's it's viburnum opulus. It is one that I want to caution people about, though. We've had a lot of problems in the past with viburnum leaf beetle on viburnum opulus, and also aphids are something that they're very prone to. So I want to make sure if you're interest in that plant, you do realize there are going to be some costs and some maintenance associated with that, but there's nothing like that big, round, beautiful flower, nice open arching habit, and just a real old old school main staple. So if you're looking for that look, 
you may consider that. We have a few in stock. We don't carry a lot of them just because of the insect issue, but they're, you're you're going to see them around. The next week, they're going to be amazing. You're going to go, what is that big round plant with all these little white balls all over it? And that's Viburnum opulus. A couple other things that are going on out, out in the garden right now, uh, sawfly. Um, any of you who saw our little video um on our Facebook page, uh, you can visit our Facebook page to uh, see the little video that we posted a few days ago. Um, might even been last weekend. Now, time flies when you're having fun, but it it's a really neat little video. And actually, it's funny because a customer came in and wanted to know what it was, and I asked her to email it to me. So I posted it on our Facebook page, and it's really it's probably six or eight ten seconds. It's very short. But check it out because it's one of those videos that it kind of gives you an idea of the feeding of this insect. It's very ferocious. It's primarily on pines and spruce. Uh, so get out there. It's a small worm, and it defoliates the plant. Uh, it takes a number of years for the plants to kind of rebound and look good again. So sawfly is out there. Check your evergreens for those. Cucumber beetle and potato beetles are out, and they're feeding very heavily. These rains have, you know, kept us out of the vegetable garden. So get out there and inspect your plants. Uh, we may need to do some fungicide also f on those tomatoes and some of the other things that we've got blight issues in the, in, in the near future. Luckily, no heat and humidity in the real immediate forecast, but we want to get some, some copper sulfate or fungicide on some of those vegetables at this point. Ornamental grasses, they're up, they're looking beautiful, starting to show their structure in the garden. Speaking of vegetable gardens, still no work on my vegetable garden. Terrible. I'm coming to the conclusion maybe I'm going to be vegetable gardening in pots at this point. Uh, I've got to get some stuff going, uh, and we've got some questions coming up for some folks that have uh, posted on our, our website uh, about some vegetables and container gardening. But I wanted to mention also the $100 gift certificate giveaway. Uh, we're, we're, if you call in you, you and ask a question, you're entered to win a $100 gift certificate. We only have two more weeks after this week to enter and win. Last week, no callers. So no one has even called in. No one has has even entered. So your odds are getting better and better. Uh, so give us a call if you have any questions. You can call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. I also did a spot with Cindy Williams on Channel 6 uh, at, and posted on our Facebook page about climbing vines. So there's a video there talk, talking about climbing vines, what you can do with your trellis, uh, different ones, different vines that work quite well. I know Carmen called in about vines um, on a brick wall, and we didn't talk about that in that video, but uh, we did talk about it last week uh, as a question. So if you are interested in vines or have a spot for a trellis, you might take a look at that video also. And the clematis, of course, are just amazing right now. Uh, if you have one in your garden, I'm sure it's starting to show its glory, unless it's a paniculata, one of the fall-blooming clematis. But they're really starting to take off and show all their colors. We have beautiful pink variety at the garden center on a lamppost that just had 8, 10, 12 flowers on it this week. Showed absolutely amazing. Hopefully the rain didn't beat it up too much, but, um, you know, looking absolutely lovely. 
And then all you beachgoers, you know, you really should be in the garden center, not on the beach. You know, you should be in your garden enjoying your garden because it's so amazing right now. But all those beach roses are starting to bloom. You know, summer is really right around the corner. When the beach roses start to show their glory, I always kind of tell people, okay, that's the first sign of summer for me. It really starts to show up. Uh, it's it's kind of one of those main staples. Uh, and it's amazing because the number of people from out of state that come in asking for beach roses to take them out of state, uh, it, it, that's always a sign that the the tourism industry has really started to pick up. And, boy, uh, my in-laws said, all the traffic coming into Maine yesterday uh, was from out of state. There were no Maine license plates. It was all Massachusetts, Connecticut, uh, Virginia, uh, New York, Connecticut. Uh, so welcome all of you lovely folks from out of state. We appreciate all the time you spend in Maine. Uh, it really helps our economy here. And, you know, never hesitate to visit a local garden center uh, and take some, some plants home. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, from more for the joy of gardening on News Talk WLOB. We know you have lots of choices when buying plants and garden supplies. But wouldn't you rather come to someone at your local garden center where you know us and we know you? Someone who knows Maine soil, Maine's climate, and knows what plants will thrive here. Someone who will make sure you find what you're looking for here or at one of our other independent garden centers. We support each other and work together to satisfy you. Wouldn't you rather come to your local garden center? We're the Independent Garden Centers of Maine at maineigc.com. Do you have planting insurance? You can with Biotone Starter Plus from Mespoma. It's the ultimate starter plant food, and you can use it for everything you plant. Just mix it in with the soil. It works like three products in one to guarantee your success, even in poor soils. The secret is a special blend of natural organic plant food, beneficial microbes, and mycorrhizal fungi. The result is that plants grow faster, roots grow deeper, and flowers and vegetables become more abundant. Maintain your plants with the Tones, a full line of organic plant foods including Holly Tone, Plant Tone, and Rose Tone. There's a tone for almost every tree, shrub, flower, or vegetable. Best of all, every Espoma product is safe for people, pets, and the environment. Look for Biotone Starter Plus at your local garden center and visit espoma.com videos for product info and valuable gardening tips. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Summer is here, and it's time to celebrate with cookouts, parties, and get-togethers. Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk is kicking off the season with a summer celebration event to help make your home look its very best. All trees, shrubs, roses, perennials, and ground covers are now 20% off through July 7th. Beautiful plants at a fraction of the price? Now that's something to celebrate. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. When it comes to a stylish home, your garden is the ultimate accessory. There's no better way to dress it up this season than with Horte Couture Tropicals and Annuals from Estabrooks. These chic and stylish selections are brand new this year and offer exotic blooms and foliage that have never been seen before in Maine gardens. A fun and fashionable garden is just moments away with Horte Couture, now available at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. 
Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, and on this beautiful Saturday morning, I've um, been talking a little bit about some of the things that are going on out in the garden, and I just wanted to talk a little bit about June is kind of the peak of the garden, I always feel. The perennials really come on. We're always very anxious to, to plant. The annuals start looking amazing, and we always purchase plants in the peak of the season in May and June. So our gardens tend to be be very front-loaded with color in April, May, and June. Um, and then when we get to later on in the season, things are not as vibrant, especially with perennials. Perennials are something that we pick up along the way, and it's important to come into the garden center periodically and get color for all season. But June seems to be perennial month. Everything kind of bursts. We have beautiful, nice moisture. The weather tends to turn around. We get some warm temperatures. And, you know, the color and the texture and the new growth and the buds and blooms all are at their peak. It kind of gives us the whole picture of, of what's to come at the end of June and early July. And, you know, I want to make sure everybody just kind of stops and smells the roses, so to speak. You know, it. It's one of those things that I, I don't think we take time enough to enjoy our garden. I know I haven't spent enough time in our garden this year, and it's been a very hectic year with very odd weather, but it's time to start thinking about stopping and looking and just taking in some of these plants. Even if you're just out for a walk with the dog, just stop periodically and take a look at some some of your neighbor's plants because some of them are absolutely amazing. Like that fringe tree I talked about earlier in the show. When I drove by that, I just kind of slowed down. It was just an amazing plant, about six to eight feet tall, probably about eight feet wide, full of these white, beautiful hanging. Um, it almost looks like um, tinsel, small little pieces of tinsel that are white and just amazing uh, interior with some nice glossy green leaves on the exterior just a ball of white beauty uh, and I know the fragrance is just amazing on that plant so you know get out there enjoy your garden don't hesitate to stop and smell the roses even if your roses aren't in bloom yet in your yard I did want to mention that we do now have a video stream also and you can pick that up on W wlobradio.com you can also pick up the podcast on our website at estbrooksonline.com and please don't hesitate to call if you have a question anything about gardening don't hesitate to call you can call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255 we're going to talk uh, we've had a bunch of questions that have been submitted online at our website but they don't enter to win the $100 gift card and I, I understand why people are doing that because they're picking up the podcast and they're listening in that way on their own time. I think that's absolutely wonderful. Please keep the questions coming in. You can visit our website at estabrooksonline.com backslash radio to submit those questions. I'm happy that you're listening on your time frame. Uh, and the first question I have is from Jacob in South Portland. It says, in my lawn, I have a type of grass that is light green, fans out, and gets a seed head in the summer. What is it, and where do, what do I do to get rid of it? Very simple. This is crabgrass, and it's showing up right now. Uh, it's amazing. You can tell it is the lightest green grass in your lawn. It typically, right now, is about three to four inches high. 
typically you find that most of the time in drier spots, along driveways, along walkways, areas that are going to dry out in the summer months. Now is the time to get the adult plant before it goes to seed. We can use a liquid herbicide for that uh, and spot treat. You don't have to spray your whole lawn. Um, we can use very little chemical. Um, it's very tough to pull all of it, um, but you can also do that. Organically, there's not a lot of different things we can do, uh, but cultivation and, and pulling. The tough thing is every time you break kind of, you know, uh, roots and whatnot, it tends to pop back up. So cultivation is a good way to go, get it right out of the garden. Uh, but it's one of those things that it will not kill your lawn if you use some of these different things. Um, certainly one of those problem plants, now is the time to do that because it has no seed on it. Crabgrass is an annual grass. If it does not seed itself, it will not come up the following year. So by killing the mother plant right now, you won't have any babies. So now's the time to go ahead and go ahead and, and, and get and take care of that before it goes to seed. Jacob, I'd like to thank you for the question. I appreciate it. And keep posting. Uh, thanks for listening on the podcast also. Another question is from Lauren, and she's from Arundel. And um, she is having some construction done. She's having an addition put on and needs to move some perennials. She's had them in the ground for three to five years and knows it's the wrong time of year to transplant. But what am I going to do? And, Lauren, this is a classic scenario. We never do construction at the right time for plants. It's fine. The biggest thing is let's just go ahead and get as big a root system as we can on each of these plants. Then I want to move them to a place where we can, what I would call, heal in. Either we're going to replant them in an area. If you want to, you could create another garden and move them over there and not touch them again. Or we can heal them in above ground. We're just in a nice pile of soil. And then after your construction is done, if you want to move them back, we could use them in that capacity. And, you know, so you're just going to heal them in with some nice loam or good um, bark mulch could be used. But you want to watch the water if you're using like a bark mulch or something else. Typically on an addition in construction, you're probably looking at a little bit longer time frame. You know, uh, it might be four to six weeks or longer. And, you know, so you might consider creating a new garden where you might be able to divide some of those down the road, move them back into this, this area where your construction is going to be. Construction, I've always found, always takes 30% longer and 30% more budget. So, you know, uh, that's the tough thing about construction. You always, along the way, find all of those little things you want to do, and it always adds up more. And, you know, certainly landscaping is going to be one of the last things you do. So don't hurry. You know, if you have the opportunity to to make a new garden and move them over into that garden, that's probably the best scenario because they'll be replanted directly into that new garden and they'll have much less transplant shock. By healing them in, you're going to go ahead, you're going to have to move them again at some point in the summer and that may be a little bit more detrimental. But at a certain point, you have to do what you have to do. So go for it, Lauren. Do whatever you need to do. Uh, I hope I wish you well, and thanks for listening to the podcast.
uh, wanted to talk a little bit about our Sea Dogs game also. Uh, we canceled our Home Run Rose promotion uh, that was supposed to take place, I don't know, a number of days ago now. <laughs> but we had wonderful rain that night. And so we canceled our Sea Dogs game with Independent Garden Centers of Maine and uh, uh, a Home Run Rose. We're going to be rescheduling that for June 24th. So I'll give you a bunch more time to enjoy yourself. You can go ahead and get tickets for that game. We'll be giving some of those away um, on our Facebook page and whatnot. But what I will say is it's going to be a great evening. Uh, we've planted some roses for the city of Portland down by Hadlock Field. They're taking shape and looking very good. Uh, we're going to have a whole bunch of things, whether with flyers and, and discounts and and uh, hats and, and Slugger will be there. It'll be just an amazing night. Uh, it's unfortunate we had a really awful rainy night. Uh, I think it was last Wednesday we were supposed to do it, and uh, it was just an awful, awful night. They did end up getting, it was supposed to be a doubleheader, they did end up getting one game in. I'd like to thank the Sea Dogs for rescheduling our event. It is a really nice you know, nice thing that they offered. They didn't have to do that, uh, and and they said, you know, hey, we want this to be a successful event for you, so would you want to reschedule it, and gave us a bunch of dates. So thank you very much to the Portland Sea Dogs. They're a great organization and really working well with local companies uh, to, to help promote uh, all of us. So, uh, again, June 24th. That's a Monday, I believe. I believe it's a Monday. And come out to the Sea Dogs. Bring the kids. Uh, you, if the Sea Dogs hit a home run, uh, we're going to give a bunch of free roses away. We're going to pick some different rows, and we're going to give some roses away. So um, the other thing is, if you are interested in a home run rose, if you bring a Sea Dogs ticket, any ticket from any game, to any independent garden center in Maine, and you can visit uh, our website at maineigc.com, you can get 10% off that rose anytime this season. So if you go to any other Sea Dog game, you can go ahead and bring that to any participating garden center. Uh, it's a great list of garden centers on there. Come visit us. Uh, it's well worth it. And you should call in here. We're giving away a $100 gift certificate. Uh, you can enter in to... Uh, to uh, win a $100 gift certificate just by calling in and asking a question, 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. We've got more questions from our podcast folks, and this one uh, is kind of going to, we're going to kind of lead into Japanese beetle territory, so we're going to talk a little bit about Japanese beetles. It is that time of year, folks. They are working their way through the soil. They're feeding on the roots of all of our lovely grass at this point. The adults are starting to emerge. We're not far away. It's always the 4th of July weekend or right around there, about seven days either side of 4th of July. So we're maybe a week out from the first sightings of Japanese beetles. So a lot of people are starting to, you know, what should I do? What should I do? The monster is coming. Uh, you know, those beach roses that we were talking about earlier are really starting to look lovely. And Japanese beetles love roses, of course. Uh, home run rose is resistant, um, but they love roses. They love many, many plants. 
And, uh, you know, so Japanese beetle, we're going to talk a lot more about that. We're also going to talk a lot more about some of the garden tours that are coming up uh, later in the show. We're going to talk about, you know, some of the ones that we're selling tickets to. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about, um, you know, some of the area. June and July is always the time when gardens are at their peak and it's kind of, um, you know, garden tour season. A couple things I want to talk about garden tours, they always most always are associated with great charities and you know so you get to enjoy a lot of gardens that you usually cannot see and you also are able to see a lot of amazing plants that we can't see on a day-to-day basis so if you get an opportunity to go to some of these these tours we'll give you a listing of some dates um you know there's some wonderful websites out there that you can you can just google search uh, garden tours in maine that will you know many many websites will come up and uh list a bunch of them but we'll talk a little bit more about that and we're going to also talk a little bit about aphids. They're kind of going crazy. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella's Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earth-life compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earth-Life Nutri-Mulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. Summer is here, and it's time to celebrate with cookouts, parties, and get-togethers. Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk is kicking off the season with a summer celebration event to help make your home look its very best. All trees, shrubs, roses, perennials, and ground covers are now 20% off through July 7th. Beautiful plants at a fraction of the price? Now that's something to celebrate. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. When it comes to a stylish home, your garden is the ultimate accessory. There's no better way to dress it up this season than with Hort Couture Tropicals and Annuals from Estabrooks. These chic and stylish selections are brand new this year and offer exotic blooms and foliage that have never been seen before in Maine gardens. A fun and fashionable garden is just moments away with Hort Couture, now available at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, and beautiful Saturday morning. Hope all of you are waking up, have a nice cup of coffee, enjoying the radio show, and or just this beautiful morning. The sunrise was amazing, like I said earlier in the show. Uh, just not a cloud in the sky here at the radio station. Uh, nice to have a nice weekend. You know, uh, last weekend ended up be, being pretty nice. You know, uh, sun cleared off uh, midday Saturday, and Sunday was a, a very nice day for us. Um, wanted to talk a little bit about peonies because we've had some heavy rain, and I know a lot of folks have not had the time to stake their peonies. 
So I want you to go out today and pick those lovely little buds and heads up off of the ground and put a peony hoop over them or put some stakes in the ground with some jute twine and resupport them. The peonies are right at that stage where if we can get them up off the ground, it's important because of disease problems with your buds and whatnot. It's important for airflow around your plants. But we have a question um, from Jim, and he's from Brunswick. Every year my peonies have sticky buds. Then they turn black and rot. Am I doing something wrong, or is it just environmental and part of Mother Nature? So um, he does say in his question that he does stake his his peonies. They're old peonies. They've been around a long time. And, you know, Jim, what what you're running into is a problem called botrytis, or you may also have some blossom blight. Um, very common uh, to peonies. Uh, typically, it, it happens earlier in the in the cycle, uh, they they abort, you know, when they're very small. Uh, you know, the other thing, it might be, you know, you just have too many plants around your peonies. They like to be kind of left alone. Um, big clumps are good. They bloom and bloom and bloom. The one thing about peonies is they do like to be staked. They like to be kept upright. Um, you know, copper sulfate's probably a great opportunity. Start spraying them as soon as they emerge out of the ground. Uh, the blackening and kind of rotting off of the of the buds is very very common for a lot of people, and it is environmental. It's we've had kind of the perfect conditions. So if you're having problems with your peony buds, that probably is the case. The other thing we want to make sure is we're not top dressing the crown with a lot of compost and other things. Peonies like to be lean. They don't need a lot of fertilizer. They're a very old-fashioned plant. They kind of take on their own shape and growth year in and year out. It's not a problem to kind of leave them alone. So certainly don't hesitate to spray them with some copper sulfate. Make sure you have them staked and have good, you know, um, air circulation around them and make sure that we have a good good um, fungicide on them make sure if you're if you have to water go ahead and water at the base keep the uh, foliage clean and dry and uh, I think you'll have much better success uh, make sure and discard all of the uh, growth in the fall go ahead cut them right back to the ground if you have traditional peonies if you have more the woody types like tree peonies or ito peonies we want to kind of take a different approach but um, you know getting rid of that that uh, Dead material and waste is very important in the fall, too. Get that in your compost pile or get it to your transfer station for them to compost. And I think it'll be a big, big help. So, Jim, thanks for the question. And uh, we have a caller. We have a first caller to win our gift certificate. Jennifer, are you there? Yes, I am. What's your question today? My question is, is we have, um, there's, where we live, there's three houses in a row. One has a nice natural hedging along the whole way, and the other one has a wide open space. So I'm just wondering, we want to get a little bit of privacy as we have a pool and all that, so we were just wondering how, what bush would be good, like a, if we got a big flower, like big flowering and bush that grows. We were wondering what, what bush would be quick. Okay, so how big a space do you have? Um, we have, it's probably like 140 feet back, so it's kind okay. of wide open, but if we just did a little bit here and there. Absolutely. Just kind so, of add some things over time? 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, a couple things I would, I, whenever we're talking about screening, there's. Are you trying to block something like a neighbor or whatnot? Um, not so much that, but just to have like a barrier that kind of separates a little bit. Absolutely. It's just wide open and. Okay, so a um, couple things I would I would think about um, since you have a lot of, of big space, you can use big plants. So you know, mm-hmm. for scythia, great. Wigilias are great. Um, lilacs are great. Um, hydrangeas are great. If you're looking for deciduous plants that flower, you mm-hmm. al- also might want to stick a few evergreens in just to give you contrast. So in the winter, you have maybe somewhat of a natural windbreak with the evergreens. It will mm-hmm. slow down the kind of wind coming through your open spance. Uh, so if you had some areas you really wanted to block year-round, that's where we would put the evergreens. Um, okay. Evergreens typically are much slower growing. So they may be something you consider putting in first. And then the deciduous shrubs like hydrangeas and forsythia and all that are faster growing. Where you have mm-hmm. such beautiful big space, space the plants out. If you're not, you know, in a hurry to make that, you know, wall, give them each plant like a 10 by 10 area, okay? And and that way, you know, if time is on your side, you can let them get big and beautiful. I would recommend, you know, every other year maybe doing some shaping and pruning on them just so that you kind of tighten them up and, and keep them from being exposed to ice damage. Uh, but... Mm-hmm. All the big plants are great, great growers. Another plant you might consider is that fringe tree I was talking about earlier in the show. Great Mm -hmm. from a distance, wonderful fragrance in the whole yard. It's kind of one of those things you're sitting on the porch or the deck, and at Mm -hmm. at dusk, it it just gives this sweet fragrance all through the yard. Small trees are another option, too. So there are many choices. Um, you can visit our, our uh, website for a lot of information, estabrooksonline.com, you know, or come in and talk to us. There's nothing better than walking through the nursery and just take, don't plan on purchasing. Just come in and talk to us about different choices. Um, and, you know, some of the viburnums might be a great option also. But picking up a few things along the way and just working on it over time, but maybe coming up with a general plan of approximately how many plants long-term. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you know, okay, I'm going to get three of these and I'm going to space them out, you know, over the 140 feet. And then the next time I'm going to get two. And the next time mm-hmm. I'm going to pick up one. So, you know, as your budget allows, you know, and if we're having specials or, or whatnot, it's a great mm-hmm. way to kind of be able to come in, pop in a few things, and then let Mother Nature and time be on your schedule and help you budget-wise. Okay, and probably bring a picture maybe so you guys have an idea of what you're kind of helping to fill in. Pictures are, pictures are always great. The other thing mm-hmm. is what type of sunlight. I assume it's full sun since it's out in the middle of the yard. Yeah, um, full sun. And, you know, what type of soil is there? You know, is it wet? Is it dry? Is it heavy clay? So dig a hole before you come in. You know, dig mm-hmm. down about uh, 12 to 18 inches so you know what's underneath. And you've got such a long span. Maybe there's some areas that are wet and there are some areas that are more dry. So we want to kind of know what what to fit where because we may take something like a, say, a dappled willow and put it in a wet spot. And then you have another mm-hmm. dry spot. We'll put a lilac or a hydrangea. So we would we would kind of you know decide which plants would fit best. 
Okay. Yeah, that was very helpful. So I'm glad I called. Well, we're going to leave you on the line because I'm going to have Debbie get uh, her num your number and contact because you're entered in to win our hundred dollar gift card. Okay. Well, thank you very much. All right. Thank you very. Thanks for calling. I hope you can call again. Okay. Thank All right. you. Thanks, Jennifer. So you know, it's as easy as that. You call in. You ask a question. You could win a hundred dollar gift certificate. I'd like to thank Jennifer for calling. Um, it's great when customers call in, and the reason being is I am accustomed to answering questions. That's what I do when I'm in the garden center. It it's on the fly. It's one of those things that it's second nature to us who work in the industry. We constantly are bombarded by questions in the, in the garden center, and this is no different. You know, certainly just pick up and give a call, uh, and we'll be able to help you out in any way we possibly can. So, we were talking with we were talking with Jim about uh, about his his peonies, and I hope you can get out and enjoy your peonies right now. Uh, if they have toppled over, you also could go ahead and prune some of them off and bring them in and uh, enjoy them in a vase uh, mixed with some other cut flowers or whatnot. So that's another way you might be able to enjoy um, your peonies if you have some damage on them and whatnot. So certainly, uh, well, look at this. We've got a whole nother question. We've got Brian. Brian, are you there? I'm here, Tom. Thank All you. right. Thanks for calling. My question is, um, it's been pretty wet, and uh, the lawn is got something called uh, like pink thread or red thread. Red thread, yes. Running through it, and um, and I was just wondering what I should do to treat that. Absolutely. Red thread's kind of a pain. Um, you know, you can come into the garden center. We can get a spray to take that out. Um, it's, it's one of those things that kind of shows up in, in this time frame. Um, you know, you, I, what I would do is spot treat it, though, because you're probably finding it in specific areas. It's not spread That's throughout right. the whole yeah. lawn, right? So, right. you right. know, a lot of the times companies will try to sell you, you know, a program or whatnot for the whole yard. And there really isn't any necessity for that. Um, you know, we have uh, two or three different products that will work for that. Um, they're broad spectrum. They will take out a bunch of different weeds in that in that area. But we can use very little little chemical in order to treat it. Um, right. Now is t like today is a perfect opportunity to take care of that because it's a nice sunny day we don't have any showers in the forecast for today you can do it in the middle of the day when it's nice and hot in the grass you know there's a heavy dew right now mm -hmm. you know so let's go ahead and and use that um you can use pretty much any type of broadleaf weed killer um you know we have one i believe it's um um, uh, the name's escaping me right now. Um, I'll, uh, I'll ask Jim. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, you know, but we have two or three different products. A lot of times it's nice because they come in a hose end sprayer, so you can just hook it up to your hose. Okay. It does all the mixing. And my suggestion is when you are doing this, start from the furthest away and work out of it, backing okay. up out through, so you're not walking through the chemical. Sure. Okay. okay. Um, but absolutely, uh, you can take care of that. It is a major problem. I have it in my yard. So, another question, quick question is: uh, a couple weeks ago on your show, you talked about um, planting uh, tomato plants, and I and you were describing peeling off some of the lower uh, leaves or something like that. And Correct. I'm sort of at that stage stage with my my own garden and uh, putting <laughs> in the plants and. I, I was wondering if you could just describe that again as to how to go about doing that. Okay, it's very simple. There's a couple different things that I want to talk about because we've got some new tomatoes that are on the market now, and they're grafted tomatoes. Mm -hmm. 
And we can't do this with a grafted tomato. The graft actually can't be below grade. Otherwise, it reverts to the parent plant. If you have your normal seed tomatoes like you buy in our four-inch pots or, or whatnot, mm-hmm. basically, a lot of times you come into the garden center and they're quite tall. They might be a foot or more tall. That's and, what I have. I it, bought them from your garden center. They're like the heirloom tomatoes. That, that's right. And they're they're nice and big, and they've grown, you know, because we've had warm temperatures, and obviously we're giving them nice fertilizer and keeping them nice and green. But take the lower, say, eight inches of leaves right off. All the little suckers, all the little side shoots, all the, all the leaves. It's going to look kind of like a little topiary. So you'll okay. have leaves on the, the top three or four inches, and then you're going to dig a hole maybe a foot deep. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're going to actually take that hole, dig it out. We're going to go ahead and we're going to put some root stimulator in there. Probably some biotone would be good, uh, which has mycorrhizae. And then we're going to go ahead and we're going to fill that hole with water and we're going to let it actually saturate down. That gets good moisture underneath. Now, even though we've had all of this rain, the tough thing is we're going to bury this plant extremely deep. Mm-hmm. And what will happen is it's going to be tough for us to water that deep. Okay, so getting water underneath the root system is very important for the first week. So that's why we fill the hole and it kind of saturates down. Then we're going to backfill and bury that stem. We're going to bury that whole stem. And most plants, I don't tell people to do that. Okay, this is a rare opportunity where I'm going to tell you to bury your plants deep. There are not many plants I recommend this. But what happens is you get roots off of that whole stem. So now you've got a root system that is a foot deep. It's in your garden. It's got moisture in the whole soil a foot deep. You'll have to water a lot less. Your plants will do much better throughout the summer months. And, you know, when you do water or we get heavy rain that saturates down a foot, now all of a sudden your plant has wonderful moisture. So we're going to backfill the hole about halfway. We're going to lightly water again and then backfill the rest of the hole. Um, Maybe put some more biotone around the top. And then all the roots are going to come flying off of that stem. They're going to start rooting into the soil. So now you've got a foot of root system on your on your tomato. And that will produce a much higher yield, and you'll get a much more healthy plant long term. Great. Great. Well, we'll get on it today. Thank you. All right. Well, we're going to keep you on the line. We're going to get your phone number and all that fun stuff, and you're entered in to win the $100 gift certificate. Thank you. All right. Thanks for calling. So, again... Two in a row. Let's keep it going here, folks. Um, certainly, you know, calling in, like I said, it just it's an easy thing. There are many questions out there. Don't hesitate to call us. Um, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. 
Look for Espoma Organic Lawn Food Products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com slash videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, the lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. Back to the joy of gardening on this beautiful Saturday morning. A couple nice callers. Thank you so much for calling in. It's nice to know you're out there. Um, we've been doing the show for a number of weeks now, and you know, it's great to get the feedback in the yard that you're listening. It's great to you know hear that you're enjoying the show. It's unbelievable when you call in. It makes my life so much easier. It's what I do on a day-to-day basis in the garden center. Is hopefully help people. Uh, I'm not going to tell you a bunch of information I don't know. Um, You know, if I don't have the answer, certainly I will get you the answer, uh, even if it's off the show. So no question, please call. Just bring them in, uh, 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. Enter to win a $100 gift card to Estabrooks. Hey, that that could plant your whole vegetable garden. That could plant all your boxes. You know, you, you could do all kinds of things with it. Um, you know, maybe start a beautiful hedge like Jennifer was going to. So, you know, we're talking Japanese beetles. And this is a big, big topic. And I've got a couple questions. People are getting, uh, you know, getting antsy about when they're going to arrive. It always is around the 4th of July. And... Uh, it's coming right up, let's face it. Uh, so I've got a question from Cassandra in York. Milky spore, does it work? How do I apply it? And when should I apply it? And does it work on adult Japanese beetles? So all kinds of different questions when it comes to Japanese beetles. They are the evil empire of our garden. They, t- they kind of just ascend on our garden. They attack. It is a war, no matter what we do. Now, let's talk about milky spore. And, you know, I believe it works. Now, I do also believe it does not winter over in our soil. So, you know, when the experts out there in the world say milky spore will winter here, I question that. I don't know as that's fully true. But what I will tell you is it does work. It's not a long-term It's not a short-term fix. It's not going to kill your adult Japanese beetle. It's going to attack the grub stage in the fall. 
So, Jeff, you know, milky spore, we need to get down relatively soon. It's not going to help us for all the feeding and damage that's going to happen in our yard here in the next few weeks. It's not going to help us. Okay, so anybody who comes into the garden center is thinking, I'm going to put milky spore down and it's going to kill all my Japanese beetle. That's not the case. What's going to happen is we're going to inoculate our lawn. We're going to inoculate our garden. And I want to make sure people understand it's not just your lawn you need to put milky spore in. Put it in your garden beds. Put it in your perennial beds. Put it throughout your gardens because Japanese beetles will lay eggs everywhere. And just by putting it in the lawn is not necessarily going to cover you completely. Now, if your neighbors don't do it, well, you might have some infestation that comes over from there. What I will tell you is milky spore will replicate in the soil all summer. The longer it's in the soil, the better it builds, the more things happen. And all of those beautiful spores, they continue to multiply, divide, and do all their thing in the soil. So when the Japanese beetle starts to lay their eggs, you know, in late June, July, August, and September, we can go ahead and have milky spore active in the soil. We can inoculate the soil anytime. The longer it is in the soil, the better the results. So what we're going to do is we're going to get those Japanese beetles on the way down to winter storage. We're going to get them so that we don't have a problem next year. So we're using foresight you know, for the following year. My suggestion is an every other year application of milky spore. I have some people that do it religiously every single year. The nice part about milky spore is it used to come in a concentrated can. And many of you for years bought these little canisters and you had to go around and you had to put a teaspoon here and a teaspoon there and you had to grid your yard off and make it all this, this very tough thing to put down. Now we've made it simple. For a number of years, we have milky spore. It's in a spreadable form. You can put it in your spreader. You can take it and throw handfuls in over your perennials and plants, and just Mother Nature will wash it down into the soil. So you can be quite liberal. The bag will cover 7,000 square feet. So it covers a large area. Um, quite cost-effective, probably in the $40, $45 range. Um, but we'll get next year's Japanese beetles. So talk to your neighbors. Do it in your yard. We have seen people who have been on a milky spore program for a number of years, either doing it every year or every other year, typically cut their infestation by half or more. So certainly it does help. For adults, it's not going to do a thing. So we need to continue to do other things with adults. And that kind of brings me to another question um, from Jason and Cape Elizabeth. How can I protect my veggie gardens from Japanese beetles? I've been using traps and catching many beetles, but still have have to spray and pick them often. Jason, I hope you're not putting that Japanese beetle trap right in your vegetable garden. Cooperative Extension, um, Jim Dill, had a wonderful video on his um their Facebook page, and it talked about Japanese beetle traps and also what to do, um, how to how to get rid of them. Um, check out Cooperative Extension's Facebook page. Fabulous organization. Some people should like that. It has wonderful videos and great things to kind of, you know, Japanese beetle traps. Give them to your neighbor for Christmas presents, okay? Let them take all the Japanese beetles they want. 
the best place to use Japanese beetles, traps, is out in a big grassy field. Suck them out into that hay field. If you have a large, large lawn area um, in your neighborhood, put two or three traps out in that big, big field. That will pull them away. As far as how you can go ahead and keep that infestation down, I suspect you're attracting more to your garden and they're stopping off and eating on their way to death. That's what Japanese beetle traps do. Okay, great tool, catch a lot of beetles, but let's pull them out into out into a big grassy area. So if your neighborhood has a common area, that's the place to put Japanese beetle traps. Pull them out where they can feed on the grass, where they can feed on that, that hay field or whatnot. Um, it's a great situation to pull them out. They'll lay their eggs out there. And then we start to create a situation if we want to put milky spore on the field. Okay, we can get a big, big, big amount of infestation in your whole neighborhood down. The nice part is we always tend to mow fields in July and August. So after the field is mowed, that's the time you can put down milky spore and you'll get the grub in the fall. So maybe your association or your neighborhood pools together and buys a little milky spore and does something like that. Nematodes are another option. Buy them online. More quick, quick acting, but certainly one of those things that we have to go ahead and buy online. We do not stock them. They have a limited shelf life, um, you know, but I would recommend you go ahead and try nematodes if you can. They do work well. Milky Spore, can't talk enough about it. I really do believe in it. I think it works. Um, I know it works by the customers who have been on a program for quite some time. You know, we're finishing up the first hour. I hope you're going to be back for the second. Give us a call, 775-1310. We'll talk to you soon. Back for more on the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host. Love it, people calling in this morning. It's absolutely a beautiful morning out there. I wanted to mention we are video streaming now on uh, WLOBradio.com. You can also pick up the podcast at estabrooksonline.com and enter to win a $100 gift certificate. If you call in and ask a question, we have Mary. Mary, how are you today? I'm good, Tom. What's your question today? Well, today I would like to put in my first vegetable garden in my backyard. And I I have some pots of um, things that are getting large. Okay. And I'm I'm wondering, um, I I want it to be about a 10 by 10 foot um, area to start out with. And I'm wondering, first of all... um, First, it has to be um, very uh, the least expensive way I can do all of this. But um, how to go about taking out um, that beautiful, thick grass I mm. worked so hard on, mm. and um, just the, the, the best way to, to start out okay. Okay. with that. Do you know what your soil's like? Um, 
Well, uh, it does have a lot of clay in it. Okay. Um, I just I did just dig some um, holes in the backyard for apple trees. Okay. Um, so I I do know that there's um, a lot of clay and it, it's pretty moist. Okay. But okay. I don't know about acidity. Any any moss growing in the lawn? Nope. No. Okay. That's good. That that tells me that your pH probably isn't too too low. Um, mm-hmm. If if you have moss in your lawn, it's a it's a clear sign that your pH is very low. Okay. Um, clay is always a concern. Okay. We have a product called Soil Perfector. Okay. It's a ceramic product. It permanently breaks up clay. So, first off, what we need to do is get rid of the lawn. And it sounds like you're you're on track to do that today. Yes, I am. Okay. So I hope your back's feeling good because, you know, there's really no way around it. You're going to have to dig this out. Okay. Okay. A um, couple things. My suggestion is um, mark out the area you want, either with four, mm-hmm. four stakes or whatnot. You could take some spray paint if you have it, you know, some marking paint and kind of mark it out. Um, and then go through and basically spade, you know, out the grass. Mm-hmm. We need to get down about six inches, okay, mm-hmm. and take all of that root system and the grass out of mm-hmm. the garden. Mm-hmm. That's going to create a little bit of space for us to add some compost and some other soil. My suggestion is you might want to pick up some super soil. Um, it comes in bulk. Uh, if you have a truck available to you, you could probably get a yard. That would be a great way to kind of fill in the area that you take out. I'm mm-hmm. um, going to be very the most inexpensive, a lot cheaper than buying bags of soil. Um, if do you have access to a vehicle? No. No. Okay. So you know the unfortunate thing is delivery typically is you know multiple yards. You don't probably need that. You probably need about a yard. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you need to do bags, it's going to probably cost you about twice as much. Um, and how many bags would that be? Well, I mean, it depends on how deep you go. Um, my suggestion is take as much of the grass root system. Don't try to save that soil that's attached to the grass because okay. you're going to kind of start out in, in a bad situation where you're going to have grass mixed in with the soil that you have and you're going to mm-hmm. plant. And what's mm-hmm. going to end up happening is you're going to have all kinds of grass and weeds and, and it's going to be very frustrating. And my biggest thing where you're a new gardener, I want you to be successful. If you're successful, you will continue to garden. Your garden will get better, and you will continue to improve. Don't ever not ask a question. Come into the garden center. If something's not going right, you are going to have failures, okay? Mm -hmm. Even the thousands of plants that we grow in our garden center, we have failures every year. They are living things. Not everything does well every year, but soil is your most important thing to a vegetable garden. The better okay. your soil, the better the plants do. So we want to make sure you've got a heavier clay. So I might buy a bag of soil perfector. That's going to permanently break up the clay. You can work that into the soil underneath. And then if we can top dress with some new soil, maybe you just buy 10 bags of compost. Mm-hmm. The problem is that's twice as much as buying a yard in bulk. So if you know anyone that has a pickup, that you could borrow or call on a friend to come get your yard. It's going to cost you probably $45 for that. It's going to cost you probably $80 or $90 or $100 for this, you know, well, it's basically 27 bags at 7 to $10 a bag to equal a yard. Okay? okay. So the cost is two to three times what bulk is. 
because they have to put them in the nose, those nice plastic bags. There's freight, there's pallets, all of that stuff. So the cost is much more. Okay, so you're saying if I uh, just to repeat um, the super soil one mm-hmm. yard, if I can find somebody with the truck, right? You know, okay. Come over to the garden center in Yarmouth. We can load it right in the back of the truck. You can mm-hmm. back it right up to the area, or put it in a wheelbarrow and get it over there, and just dump it in and work it into the existing soil with that bag of soil perfector, and you will have wonderful soil. Okay. Okay. So that will get you to a place where you can plant just about anything. Okay. Okay. And what about that? Um the the compost from the recycling center is that not to be used okay. for a, a vegetable garden here is my take on municipal compost in general they do a wonderful job of composting a lot of our waste in our yard the tough thing about that is they're ne- never really able to turn the pile enough to kill all the weed seeds okay uh-huh. and the other thing is we don't know what's being inputted into that compost Mm-hmm, we don't mm-hmm. know where the cl- long clippings are coming from. We don't know what's been used on them. We don't know what type of leaves. We don't know what type of pH. So certainly, you know, working it into like a broad-based, you know, um, perennial bed or whatnot that you're going to make like in the fall and you're going to plant the following year, I say that's a great situation. If you wanted to top dress with it in the fall after you're done planting and work it in, and then in the spring, we'll knock down the weeds if any come up. I think mm-hmm. that's a perfect scenario. But with municipal waste, the big thing is always look at the pile. If there are weeds growing in the pile, in the old piles and the new piles, mm-hmm. you know it's already been inoculated with a bunch of weeds. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that any soil you buy is not going to have weeds. You're always going to have some weed seed and stuff. It's just that's my, always my main concern with municipal compost. Okay. Okay. So certainly you can use some of that, but it's not as consistent. There's usually a lot of sticks in it, um, you know, and you don't have any of the manure or shellfish waste in that. So a lot less nutrients. Okay. Okay. So talk to me about your seedlings. So have you started some seedlings or are you going to buy them? Well, I have um, in um, containers, I have um, zucchini, patty pan, um, pumpkins and cukes. Okay. So you've got a lot of big growers in a very, yes. very small garden. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to be very cautious about this, okay? But I can put the pumpkins, I, I can go without the pumpkins. Okay. I can put those on the side of my yard if yeah, I want. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If you have another area to put your bigger growers like squash, pumpkins, stuff like that, that's your best bet. You're at a time where, you know, you want to go ahead and buy tomato plants, pepper plants. Um, You probably want to put some lettuce in that you buy, and then maybe you might want to seed some also. Um, My thing is don't get too creative, okay? Stick very close to what you like to eat that you're going to get a lot of volume when you're starting out. Um, I always tell people kind of think of a green salad, you know, the things that you're going to use a lot of focus on that that how many how many zucchini plants do you have three okay i'm going to tell you to put one in oh okay (laughs) okay and the reason being is you get a tremendous amount of zucchini off of one plant um unless you want to make zucchini bread and you want to give it to all your neighbors and you know and you need to give about a three by three 
area. So that's going to take up probably 25% of your plot for one plant. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Oh, okay. One tomato plant's going to take up about a 2 by 2 or 3 by 3 area. Okay. Uh, cucumbers are going to take up most of the rest of the space. So a 10 by 10 doesn't give you a lot of room. So you, you really want to give enough space. If you can put the cucumbers someplace else like the pumpkins and let them grow in the same area, I would recommend that. Unless you did bush cucumbers, which are going to stay in a nice mound and not trail all over the place. What about the patty pan? Is that large? I'm not familiar with that variety. Is, is, that, is, is it a, is it a uh, zucchini? Or yeah, it's that. Um, is it an the Asian zucchini? It kind of it, it has a scalloped edge, and it's yellow, and it's round. Okay, um, I'm not sure. We'd have to do some research and find out if that's a vining crop, if it is, or if it's a clumping. So if okay. it's, if it's a vining, I'd say move it over with your with your pumpkins and and all your vine crops. You know, things that are going to just grow in, in great great distance. A 10 by 10 plot's not a great spot. Now, what I will tell you is you could grow your cucumbers up on a trellis. So okay. So you could kind of go vertical in a 10 by 10 also. So, you know, you could do pole beans up on a pole. Um, you could do um, peas that would grow up a, up, up a, a trellis also. We have many options for that at the garden center. And what that will do is that will give you more space in your 10 by 10 plot and get your plants more vertical. We always want to be mindful, though, of the way the sun kind of moves because we don't want that trellis to shade the rest of the garden at a certain point during the day. Oh, so, okay. You know, we might want to put it like on the southern southern face of, of yes. the garden so that, you know, it rises in the east and sets in the west so it, it's all in the sun all day. So that will help conserve, you know, a bunch of space for you. And, you know, keep it simple. You know, come into the garden center, talk to us about what, what uh, you can do, you know, stick a, stay away from okra and some crazy things unless you absolutely love them. Um, you know, probably stay away from Brussels sprouts because it's a very long crop. Um, you know, and kind of let us help you plan out your spacing uh, because overplanting is going to be your biggest burden. You're going to, tr- you know, run into a, a lot more problems than if you plan it out a little bit, you know, more consistently. Okay. Okay. I will be in the Yarmouth store today, so if you want, come on in, ask for me, and I can help you out personally. Okay, Tom. All right. Thanks for the call, and you are entered in to win a $100 gift certificate. Oh, great. All right. Hopefully, uh, thanks so much, Tom. Hopefully you win, and uh, we can add to that vegetable garden. Okay, thank you. All right. Thanks for the call. See, simple and easy, folks. You can call anytime, any question, 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. You know, we have all types of gardeners. You know, if you are just starting out, I can't stress this enough. I want you to be successful. Okay? If you're successful, I'm successful. And it's very, very important to me. No question. Okay? No question. You know, don't hesitate to ask any question, all right? And it's very important because I want to make sure that you're successful. So we were talking about Japanese beetles at the end of the first hour, and, you know, they're coming on crazy. I know it's going to happen soon. Uh, I hope we answered the questions for the two folks, uh, you know, um, Cassandra in York, and let's see, it was Jason in Cape, Cape Elizabeth. Um, they're a tough insect, 
Okay, be diligent, be proactive. Check out that, uh, you know, I'll try to post that um, that link from Cooperative Extension on our Facebook page in the next couple days. Uh, probably John will get that up on Monday. And, uh, you know, that way you guys can look at it on ours. Jim Dill does an excellent job of explaining kind of what you can do. If you need to do a topical spray, neem oil is wonderful. It does a great job of killing the adult and or repelling. So neem oil is a great way to go. And, you know, let's talk a little bit more about some other problems out there. Uh, I know Laura from Augusta sent in a question about moles and voles terrible terrible things we have in our yard tunneling and burrowing through our lawns and gardens eating away at uh, our root systems of plants and uh, she basically says moles and voles exclamation point they destroy my plant roots how can I stop them and protect my plants with or, or repel them out of my garden okay so moles and voles major major pain um, do a lot of damage and this is another thing, like we were talking about the soil perfector and making, you know, your soil better. Soil perfector is great, great at repelling moles and voles also. The tough part is you need to work it into the soil when you're building your beds. So whenever you're planting new plants, take a couple handfuls and kind of work it around the plant. What ends up happening is the moles and voles don't like the sharpness of that ceramic. Okay, so what happens is it cuts their nose, it cuts their feet, it, it, it basically, so what happens? They tunnel around the plants. And if you plant when, if you do this when you plant your plants, what ends up happening is you have a protection barrier of that main root system. They may feed on the external roots, they may kind of tunnel around through, but they're not going to kill the main crown of the plant. So it's a great way, as you're planting, to give yourself insurance long-term. Now, obviously, not all of us can do that. So we can work it into the soil as we continue to divide and multiply our plants. Um, most trees and shrubs, they don't have too much problems with. But a little trick to get rid of moles and voles, and it's you know something that's very simple. It's nothing I sell. Juicy fruit gum. Okay. I know, it's, it sounds totally weird. Debbie's over here going, what? No way. Juicy fruit gum. You cut it up into little pieces and you stick them down the holes. And what happens is they eat them and they can't digest the gum. And so it will make them expire. Um, it does work. Um, it's a very cost-effective way. We have products like Mole Max, which are made from castor oil. They work well also. But it's costly. And it's a diligent thing you have to do. There is not many professionals that you can hire to try to get rid of moles and voles. There also are sonic, you know, tubes you can put down in the ground that do sonic vibrations and all that. Those work well also, but you have batteries, you have the time and energy, and they're quite expensive. So if you have a really bad problem in a specific area, those sonic um, tubes do do work well, okay? Um, But you have to be diligent about changing the batteries. Um, and it's very tough because most of the damage is done when we're not looking. So it's done in the off-season. The tunneling, you know, the snow leaves, and all of a sudden, there's all the tunnels. So there's no real way to get to them at the time when we really, the most damage is happening. So I hope that helps, Laura. It's definitely one of those 
critters out there that are tough. Uh, the other thing is, uh, you know, customers are, are all coming in right now. The woodchucks are having a field day on our vegetable gardens and annuals and perennials. They're being very ravenous and eating up a storm. Uh, it's important for us to try to trap those. Uh, have our heart traps are a great way to to catch them. Uh, you also can hire a professional to come in and set traps and whatnot. Uh, they're very ferocious on our, our gardens. Once they find us, they continue to come back time and time again. And the tough thing is once you have a population of groundhogs, they continue to multiply and divide. They don't go away. They only get a bigger bigger group. Um, and once the uh, kind of the family gets to a certain size, then they start to move off a little bit because they can't support each other. But certainly, I will tell you, they will not go away. So if you're having problems, you could fence your vegetable garden. Perennial gardens and stuff, I I don't like to look at fences. So, you know, I don't think that's really something that you can do. But always bury your fencing, okay? Very important to bury it because they can dig it up and they will go under it. But it was funny because I was talking to a customer in, in the in the nursery a few days ago, and he said, I buried my fence for the first time, and that woodchuck went along and tugged on the fence every foot or so and kind of tried to pull it up because he was used to going underneath it. They're very smart. They're adaptive. And I told the gentleman, I said, the likelihood is he's going to start trying to dig that up. So just be diligent and be cautious. We also sold him a scent lure, you know, um, some coyote scent to put around there. Uh, Anytime you put predator-type scents around there, they're going to want to stay away from that area. So using some of those, you can't smell it. It comes in a nice shaking bottle, and it's got a sand um, attached with it. So it's going to make your garden smell awful. You can use it probably two or three feet away from the garden so you don't put urine in your garden, obviously, Um, but a good predator way to take care of that problem. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Summer is here, and it's time to celebrate with cookouts, parties, and get-togethers. Astorbrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk is kicking off the season with a summer celebration event to help make your home look its very best. All trees, shrubs, roses, perennials, and ground covers are now 20% off through July 7th. Beautiful plants at a fraction of the price? Now that's something to celebrate. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. When it comes to a stylish home, your garden is the ultimate accessory. There's no better way to dress it up this season than with Horte Couture Tropicals and Annuals from Estabrooks. These chic and stylish selections are brand new this year and offer exotic blooms and foliage that have never been seen before in Maine gardens. A fun and fashionable garden is just moments away with Porte Couture, now available at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Do you have planting insurance? You can with Biotone Starter Plus from Mespoma. It's the ultimate starter plant food, and you can use it for everything you plant. Just mix it in with the soil. It works like three products in one to guarantee your success, even in poor soils. The secret is a special blend of natural organic plant food, beneficial microbes, and mycorrhizal fungi. 
The result is that plants grow faster, roots grow deeper, and flowers and vegetables become more abundant. Maintain your plants with the Tones, a full line of organic plant foods including Holly Tone, Plant Tone, and Rose Tone. There's a tone for almost every tree, shrub, flower, or vegetable. Best of all, every Espoma product is safe for people, pets, and the environment. Look for Biotone Starter Plus at your local garden center and visit espoma.com videos for product info and valuable gardening tips. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella's Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earth-life compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earth-Life Nutri-Mulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. back to the joy of gardening uh, i'm tom estabrook your host and we're having a great saturday all kinds of people calling in we're enjoying it you can watch our video live we're streaming live on wlobradio.com i'm gonna give a little wave here for any of you that are watching and uh listening you can get our podcast at estabrooksonline.com we have jennifer i believe it is on the line good morning jennifer Good morning. And you're from Scarborough, right? Yes, I am. How's that traffic at Dunstan's Corner? Oh, it's it's challenging. It that's is for sure. I think it's going to be over next week. Oh, thanks. Yeah, heavens. I think I think they're uh, they're going to do final paving uh, early in the week, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully that will help out the access to our store there. Great. What do you have for question? Well, I would like to know when is when do you know when to. Split uh, daylilies, and when's the best time to do it? Okay. Daylilies are something that, you know, they can go years and years and years without splitting. But what I always like to tell people is if they start not, you know, if if they're not performing the way you want, meaning they're not blooming as well as they used to, um, how how long have you had your daylilies in the ground? Um, Probably eight years. Okay. So you can go ahead and do them anytime. Um, the one thing is I would recommend you always think about late summer, okay? It's the okay. best time, I find, you know, so the end of August, early September, um, they're still going to have nice green leaves. You can go ahead and trim them back about halfway at that time. You can dig the whole clump up, split them up, and then replant them. The key okay. to success in the fall is they're going to root overgrow. Okay, so we're going to get a good root system on them by doing them that time of year for the following year. So our bloom will be much better next year. You can also do them in the spring as they're coming up. It will sacrifice some of the bloom, though. Always use a good root stimulator. Okay, especially spring or fall. Uh, At this point, it's probably too late for for this year. Um, We want to go ahead and look towards late fall, Um, you know, or late summer. I guess August is summer month here in Maine, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we have so little months of summer. Um, but, you know, so they're very uh, forgiving, though, okay? Uh, bigger the clump, the better. Don't okay. divide them into really, really small clumps. You know, if you have a big clump, say that's three by three, split it up into four or five clumps, okay? 
Uh, uh, okay. Okay. Um, but day lilies, they're constantly growing. They continue to thrive here in Maine. We have a tremendous amount of new varieties that are looking amazing. They're just starting to bloom now. Uh, you know, so you can always find room for one more day lily in your garden. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Any well, other great. questions? Well, thank you. All right. Thanks. And you just entered to win a $100 gift certificate. Excellent. All right. Thanks for the call. Please call back again uh, with any questions. Will do. All right. Thank you. So, again, folks, easy. You know, call about any question. Enter in to win our $100 giveaway. And, you know, if the line is busy or we don't pick up, don't hesitate to call back. Okay, um, we've had a couple people on Facebook that have sent us messages saying they can't get through. That's an awesome problem to have on the radio show. And uh, I appreciate all the phone calls. Um, you know, let's talk a little bit about uh, some other questions that we've got online. And, you know, we have Kate from Bath. And, you know, she wants a tomato plant in a pot and wants to know which which variety might work best for her deck and is there a perfect variety that will give her you know um a, a nice medium sized tomato she she wants something that's easy to eat uh can use in salads or sandwiches um so kate you definitely can can use uh any tomato in a pot the bigger the pot the better the bigger the pot the bigger the grower Okay, so you'll be able to go ahead and not have a problem uh, sustaining the water throughout the summer. So important that we use a nice big pot. And when I say a nice big pot, 24 to 36 inches, you know, big pot. We can always add a few other things, whether it be flowers or, or some herbs, you know, maybe some thyme and rosemary and some other things in there to take up some space and make the pot look really great. But if you have a smaller pot, and you want something that's middle-of-the-road height-wise, patio tomato. The variety is patio tomato. It's a great variety. Uh, we sell a lot of them. It's a medium to small-sized fruit. Uh, fruits vary heavily and readily. It's a determinant variety, so it gets to a certain size and stops growing and continues to set fruit. Um, you know, fruits early. Um, they're blooming in the pot right now, so you're already setting fl- fruit. We have them in a nine-inch pot already, so they're started quite well. And like I had talked to earlier um, in in the uh, day, uh, in the show, you definitely um, have are able to plant that plant a little bit deeper in the pot too. Just like you plant it in the ground, take some of those lower leaves off, plant it extra deep, you'll get better root system. Add in a few uh, other, you know, plants for interest, you know, maybe some mojito mint, you know, so you can have a nice mojito on the deck, maybe add some thyme, maybe some basil so you can have like a tomato basil mozzarella type, you know, appetizer, you know, uh, create a a pot that really is going to make a nice appetizer, you know, and or add to some of your your dishes. So uh, patio tomato is the variety I would recommend. Uh, Always a good grower. Um, so, you know, plenty of things going on. Don't hesitate to call. Give us a call, 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. We're here till 8 o'clock. It's, uh, you know, we're winding down here now. Uh, enjoying this wonderful, beautiful Saturday morning. Uh, you know, we're going to try to get in at the end of the show here. Hopefully we have uh, some more callers. If we have time, we're going to talk a little bit about... Um, some of the garden tours coming up, 
you know, we've we've got June and July uh, and August. There are so many garden tours. It's the peak of the growing season. Things are looking the best. Uh, I always enjoy those times where you can go and see gardens that you normally can't see. People spend a tremendous amount of time and energy on their landscapes. And so we'll give you some different ideas of of different people uh, and places you might be able to go to enjoy, uh, you know, some of those secret gardens. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. You may not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, a lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening. Uh, it's a beautiful Saturday morning. I'm Tom Esterbrook, your host. And, wow, all kinds of callers today. That's exciting for me, I've got to tell you. You know, I love the interaction. Everybody's been great. Thanks for calling in and entering in to win our $100 gift certificate. You can call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. We have Alan from Gorham, a regular Alan. Thanks for calling in. Hi, Tom. Good morning. Good morning. Mm-hmm. A happy early Father's Day to your listeners. Absolutely. Father's and, Day. Uh, Great day to plant a tree, coming, right? Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, boy, I, I love that, that intro to your your show. I feel like having a mojito every time I hear it. Ah, exactly. <laughs> that sounds good. That um, sounds good. Okay, question is um, for you. 
Um, I wanted to follow up with some of the things you've been talking about, because mm-hmm. I, I think feedback is a good thing, too. Absolutely. Um, one of the, the um, topics I, I called on when I first called was like, the cat palm, an indoor house plant. Absolutely. And it was falling apart, and it had bugs on it. Yes. And, um, it wasn't doing too well. So uh, per your recommendation, I repotted it with some coast of Maine, mm-hmm. and um, happy to say that it's doing great. Awesome. Nice and green. Awesome. Yeah. Amazing and how some new fresh soil, a little fertilizer, you know, everything kind of just, the plant just jump starts. Yeah. I mean, it took a little bit. I had to yep. prune it a little bit, So, but it's coming back. Good, good. Um, the other thing is the Endless Summer Hydrangea. Yes. I, I did your recommendations. And um, at this point around the the, um, the edges of the plant, mm-hmm. there are buds. All None right. in the middle yet. Is, okay. that, is it still a little too early? It is. Um, you know, okay. I was going to bring this up in the show because... Uh, you know, a lot of times what's happened is the lower leaves that were protected by, uh, the lower branches, I should say, that were protected by snow mm-hmm. are typically down low, okay? And what will happen is your flower buds will come off of the old growth that lived first. And that's why it's important that when we talk about fertilizer on Endless Summer and doing it very religiously monthly for for that, you know, April, May, June, July, boom, we're done is because we need that fertility to get the growth that comes out of the center of the plant that where it died back to set flower bud and put up enough foliage that they finally set bud. And so what you're getting is you're getting those buds that are setting off of the growth that, that actually lived. Um, and then the crown of the plant is throwing new growth. Okay, so so keep that fertilizer coming probably... I don't know, one more time? Yeah, probably I would say one more time. And then if you want to take the bloom set off of them in, in, you know, when you get your June bud set and it flowers and it passes, if you want to do one more fertilization in July and get a second set for fall, that's fine. After that, leave the buds on. Don't fertilize anymore. Keep the water up, and, and you should get another set of flowers, you know, for August and September. Oh, great. Okay. Excellent. All right. Great. And one more thing to share with your audience, because I think it's, it's good to give you some, your listeners some info of, of my experience I here. love it. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I have uh, a pinky winky and other mm. uh, hydrangeas like that, and they've been attacked by deer. Yes. And I was very frustrated because I could, couldn't figure anything out. I bought the water scarecrow and this and that. <laughs> so what I did was I looked online for a method which has worked. Okay. And what I do is on the very edge of my woods where the lawn meets the woods, I run a, uh, just a, a, you know, a, a nylon string about a foot high mm-hmm. all the way around the perimeter. And then another one about three foot high above that one all the way around the perimeter. Mm-hmm. And then I take an extra three steps in towards the woods and I run another one about four feet high around the perimeter. And mm-hmm. I haven't had any deer. Right. It's just a, it's it's a natural barrier for them. Yeah, simple, I, I cost effective. Is they don't want to jump in between the strings. Yeah, and and I think so. it's just you know once they're accustomed to something being in their way, they're going to naturally take the least path of resistance. Mm-hmm. So if you just give them another reason to walk a different direction, and probably they're not coming to the hydrangeas because they love them, they're coming to them because they're there. Right. You know, it's their na- natural traffic pattern, and oh. Here you go. There's a meal, you know, and, you know, deer are creatures of habit. Um, I was watching one last night in my driveway, and, you know, I've got a big, beautiful rhododendron right in the front yard. It's just starting to bloom. Um, I've been in the house almost 
well, it's a little over a year and a half now, and they haven't touched that rhododendron. But it's not in their natural pattern of where they travel. And there's plenty of grassy fields and whatnot. So, you know, they only will come to that if they absolutely need it. They're going to they're gonna pick the things they like the most, obviously. And once they find, like, hydrangea that they like the taste of, they come back time and time again until it's gone. So, so the, na- the neighbors are in a better path. Absolutely. <laughs> Always give the deer to your neighbors. Yeah. And great tip. I, you know, if any of you folks out there have tips like that, things you're successful, you know, I don't know everything. I'm not going to profess to. You know, gardening is about sharing with a bunch of your other friends and gardeners. So if you have tips like Alan, don't hesitate to call in, talk about your experiences, what has worked well for you, because that's how we learn here in the Garden Center also, is if you're successful on something, we're going to take that and give that as local natural feedback. And, and we're going to take that and use it to our benefit. So, Alan, I really appreciate yep. that. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. And have a, have a wonderful day. And, Alan, you are entered in to win the $100 gift certificate. Thanks for calling. Alan's called three or four times now, I think, and uh, always really, really great questions. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, like I said, if you can't get through, don't hesitate to call. We actually had, is it Tari? Tari, um, she had a couple questions and uh, posted on a Facebook page. Uh, She couldn't get through, but um, I wanted to take the questions anyways. Uh, She has tomato hornworm, always having a problem with tomato hornworm. Um, you know, tomato hornworm is a pain, but an easy insect to deal with. I don't like to touch them. I don't like to pick them off, but that's an easy way. You got to inspect your tomato plants consistent, consistently. That's the big thing is you have to keep your eyes out for them because they do a lot of damage very quickly. Big old caterpillar. You can't miss them, you know. Big old gruesome thing, just chewing down the leaves. You can pick them off and discard them. That's an easy way. Uh, The other thing is you can periodically spray your tomato plant with BT or Caterpillar Killer. Now, BT has been around forever, uh, been used on, you know, a lot of your crops in your vegetable garden. Uh, It's very, uh, it's Bacillus thumbergii, and it's very, very environmentally friendly. I would feel very comfortable using it on any type of thing uh, in the garden. It specifically is for caterpillars, and that works very, very well on that. Now, the other thing is cabbage moth um, or um, your problems with, say, your broccoli or cauliflower. They always get a little worm, and BT, you you want to spray anytime you see a little white moth fl- flying around your garden that is laying you know these lovely little cabbage worms and uh, you know go ahead and preventatively spray your broccoli cauliflower and cabbage okay that way they won't look like Swiss cheese and there's nothing worse when going to harvest your vegetables and they're full of maggots or worms so if you see a little white moth and you're gonna remember this you know, because you'll go out and you'll see this little white moth just flying around, having a great time. You go, oh, isn't that beautiful? And that lovely little insect is just laying eggs on all of those lovely things. That is not tomato hornworm. That is a cabbage moth, okay, or a moth which is laying eggs for a, a, a lovely little caterpillar that will make, I guess, coleslaw, you know, but you can't eat it. So BT. Um, Caterpillar Killer, great product. Um, Go ahead and use that for your tomato hornworm. Uh, You can do that preventatively, uh, and that will take care of the problem. 
The other thing is um, she has tiger lilies and said this little beetle is just devouring them. What can I do? That is lily leaf beetle. Um, it is a nasty little orange beetle insect that attacks lilies. Uh, Asiatic and oriental and tiger lilies are all affected. Um, it's a tough insect. Um, there's a couple things we can do. We can uh, drench the soil with a systemic as soon as you start to see the bulb come up. Okay, that's the first step. Second step is we want to go ahead and spray the foliage once you see the active beetle feeding, if you mix, miss that. The drench will give you a better control because the insect is down in the ground and will emerge. So you will get a lot of them down in low in the soil, and that's where they winter. The tough thing is they're going to fly around, they're going to move around, and we don't grow Asiatic or Oriental or, or um, tiger lilies anymore because of this insect. It's one that you've got to be diligent about, you've got to be proactive about. It will continue to devour and eventually will kill the lilies and you will be done with your tiger lilies. So get out there. You can pick them off, put them in a little soapy water or whatnot in a jar and leave them out there on the on the deck. Let them cook up, um, you know, but you've got to be very diligent about it. You've got to be constant every day going out, knocking them off. Be proactive. Don't wait until it's too late. By the time typically customers see it, it's too late. They've eaten a large portion of the plant. So great plants. I'm very, very disturbed. We can't sell um, and or grow East, you know, all these lovely Asiatic and Oriental lilies, the fragrance and, and the texture and the type of plant they are. It's such a great, great plant for the garden. Unfortunately, the insect really, really is a major, major issue. So, um, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to add, add you in to our drawing, though. You couldn't call in. You couldn't get through. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to add you into the $100 giveaway. If you have a question, don't hesitate to call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. Uh, we've got all kinds of things we can continue to talk to, but I'd rather hear from you and answer your questions. We're going to take a quick break. We're go we'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella's Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earth-life compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earth-Life Nutri-Mulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. Summer is here, and it's time to celebrate with cookouts, parties, and get-togethers. Astorbrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk is kicking off the season with a summer celebration event to help make your home look its very best. All trees, shrubs, roses, perennials, and ground covers are now 20% off through July 7th. Beautiful plants at a fraction of the price? Now that's something to celebrate. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. When it comes to a stylish home, your garden is the ultimate accessory. There's no better way to dress it up this season than with Hort Couture Tropicals and Annuals from Estabrooks. 
These chic and stylish selections are brand new this year and offer exotic blooms and foliage that have never been seen before in Maine gardens. A fun and fashionable garden is just moments away with Port Couture, now available at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. back to the joy of gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host, and man, beautiful Saturday. Love all the questions. It makes my day when all of you folks call in and uh, we are able to discuss your yards. Uh, it's it's really fun for me, uh, and I hope you're enjoying the radio show. Uh, you can watch us live. We're streaming live video now at WLOBradio.com. You can also pick the show up uh, there live if you can't hear online or on air. Uh, I know some of you have had a little bit of trouble here or there, but uh, pick us up on the web, and uh, you can submit questions at estabrooksonline.com. But what I really want is for you to call in. Call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. Ask a question and be entered to win our $100 giveaway, $100 gift certificate uh, to Estabrooks. Uh, We've had a lot of nice calls today, some really great questions. Um, We're kind of wrapping up the show. Uh, It's a beautiful Saturday. Going to be a phenomenal gardening day. Okay. Temperatures look great. A little bit of rain in the forecast, you know, throughout the week, but it's staying cool. This is perfect for gardening. The cool temperatures at night really make plants root. The nice warm temperatures during the day make them bloom and grow. But having those nice cool temperatures, it's a great time to get your plants in the ground. You know, we're going down into the 40s and low 50s still at night. That creates the plant to make roots. Okay, cool temperatures are a great thing. Hot, humid weather, it's a little tougher for them to put on root system. They'll put their roots on in the fall. Um, So by planting right now, you're really, it's the best of both worlds. You're getting great blossoms, you're growing great plants, but you're also putting on great roots. So, um, you know, vegetable gardens, I know it's been a little tough spring. Um, Think about making a call on some of those plants if they really are struggling Um, You know, if you put in a few cucumbers or whatnot and they've just, you know, don't look good, you might consider just coming in and buying a couple more plants and and discarding the ones you have in in the garden. It's been so wet. Some things are really struggling. I know uh, last week we talked with the Yarmouth Community Garden. They've been having some some problems up there, and they're replacing some plants. So, you know, everybody's in the same boat, or maybe we should build an ark. I'm not sure. But looking out the window today, we're going to have a beautiful day. It's going to be, you know, 70 degrees. Uh, I want to thank everybody for for calling in this week. Uh, We probably have time for one more question if anybody has uh, a question they want. Um, We're also going to talk a little bit about aphids before the end of the show. That's going to be kind of my tip of the week here at the end of the show. Um, But, you know, get out there in your garden. The one thing about this weather is the plants are amazing, but I want you to go out and I want you to think about have my plants been toppled over by rain? Do I have some fungus starting? It's important to get out there and look um, because there are many things that are going on in the garden right now. And uh, the reason I can tell you that this is happening is a million people are coming in with problems every day into the garden center. Don't hesitate to call. Don't hesitate 
to send us pictures or bring pictures in on your phone of what's going on. Um, you know, like we talked in the beginning of the show, you know, there's all kinds of problems in the vegetable garden starting. Uh, fungal wise, you may not see anything right now, but getting a good fungicide spray on some things might not be a bad thing in this nice stretch of weather. We do have some more rain in the forecast, middle of the week, I believe. But I want to I want to make sure that everybody understands it's important to get out there and inspect your plants. And my tip of the week this week is about aphids. Aphids are going crazy right now. We've had the perfect conditions. It's cool but warm days. We've had some good rain, which helps to spread them around the garden. The flower buds are showing up on all plants, okay? The first thing I want you to do is go out and look for ladybugs. Okay, I know I had some in my windows in the last few days showing up. And so, you know, I, I kind of looked around at some of my plants and lo and behold, there are some aphids. I even looked at some of the weeds that are along the edge of my yard and there are some aphids. So they are starting. Okay, it's something to be cons- considering that they're going to show up at some point. A great product to use on them is neem oil. Neem oil is wonderful. We never want to spray it in the hot part of the day because it's an oil, okay? Like we've talked many times on the show, important to not use oils in the hot part of the day. But the nice part about neem oil, and we use this in our production area, it's under a different name commercially, obviously, but the one thing about it is it kills all stages of an aphid. It kills the adult, the nymph, the pupa, all the egg stages, it smothers, so you get all of the benefits and you can kill all the life stages. Many of the insecticides do not do that. So neem oil or bond neem is a, is a good one. Um, it gives you some fungal properties also. It can't tell you that on the bottle, but being an oil, it will help spores just roll off the leaf. Okay, it will give you kind of like a protective barrier. And the nice part is, like we talked earlier in this in the show, you also can use it when the Japanese beetles show up. So you can buy a product now that will work on multiple things throughout the season. Now, when the Japanese beetles do show up, always use an insecticide two to three times, and then we should switch to another insecticide. It's important because insects get resistant and the next generation will be resistant to some of these things. Now, neem oil is nice because it kills most all of the stages, okay? And so, you know, get out there and look at your flower buds, okay? Aphids always show up first on the flower buds when they first are forming. And you need to pull back what we call the guard leaves. A lot of times there are little leaves around the bud, and the bud is set down in the plant just pull those guard leaves back and a lot of times you'll see either green, black, or red aphids. And what happens is they're sucking on the moisture in the bud. And if you see any sticky substance on the plant, that is the secretion from the aphid. Okay, so that's a sign also that they are there. But what happens is the bud emerges and elongates and what will happen is the aphids will travel down the stem to the main plant. If we're able to spray just the buds, just the flower buds at the early stage, we don't have to spray all of the plant. We will get them in a very tight 
concise spot in the plant and you'll have to use a lot less chemical we always like to spray a lot less we try not to use chemicals whenever possible unfortunately it's part of our world it's part of our our doings you can go ahead and use soapy water is another great way you know spittle bugs are out there you can take care of those with just spraying with a hose you don't even have to use any insecticide the one thing about insecticides is if we use them properly at the right time with the least amount of chemical, we're doing all of ourselves a lot, lot better situation. Please don't hesitate. Always come in, talk to us about what the right thing to use at the right time on the right plant. It's always a good to be a steward of the environment. And we hope you enjoy this beautiful Saturday and get out there, enjoy the garden and hope to see you in the Garden Center. Have a great week. WLOB Portland and WLOBradio.com.